You're listening to the Clutter Fairy Weekly, a weekly webcast and podcast brought to you by the Clutter Fairy in Houston, Texas. If you'd like to participate in one of our live webcasts, please visit cfhou.com slash weekly. You'll find a calendar of upcoming webcasts, as well as instructions for joining the Zoom meeting via the app or by phone. We'd love to see you. That URL again is cfhou.com slash weekly. Now here's the weekly episode. Enjoy. Hi, Clutter Fairy fans. This is the Clutter Fairy Weekly for November 7th, 2023. I'm your co-host, Ed Gumnick, and I'm speaking with Gail Goddard, certified professional organizer and owner of the Clutter Fairy in Houston, Texas. Hi, everybody. The Clutter Fairy Weekly is the webcast and podcast that digs deep into the clutter that piles up between you and the life that you want to be living. We explore the habits and behaviors that lead to clutter, and we suggest strategies to slow the accumulation, reduce the collection, and comfortably manage the stuff we decide to keep. If you're new to our Zoom meeting, we want to let you know that you can share your comments and questions via the chat feature, and I'll try to make sure Gail gets them before we move on to another topic. You can also use the raise hand feature if you'd like to ask a question or make a comment yourself via audio or video. And we are streaming the webcast live on Facebook, so you can ask your questions and make comments there as well and I'll share them with Gail. We're going to start by talking about last week's weekly tittle which was called a season for you. The assignment was to set intentions about how you'd like to spend the holiday season so you can enjoy this part of the year on your own terms. Let's hear from our participants in Zoom and on Facebook who set some intentions this week. Please let us know in the comments. Frequent contributor Marsh shared her tittle report in a comment on our website. Marsh writes, What a special tittle this week. I've started my holiday with number one checked off my shopping list. I bought a really nice new fridge for myself. It has the freezer on the bottom. Now number two, yes to invite, and number three, yes for leftovers. I will accept two party invites as I now, as I have one shelf designated for leftovers. (laughs) Seems simple, but I had to clear my entire back door floor to receive my new fridge. What a success I had. Marsha, I'm really happy to hear that you got a new fridge. That's exciting. And especially since our first project together ever was to clear out your fridge. (laughs) I think that's, you know, a moment of full circleness right there. And to see that you also cleared out a section of the floor in order to receive the fridge That's really fabulous. You're making great strides in reclaiming your space after the loss of your husband. So comparing your mind the first time we worked on your fridge and what you're able to do now. And it's really night and day. So I'm very proud of you for accomplishing that. That's really wonderful. Uh, Connie says, I just made a list of who all will be getting my cookies. Oh, great. Connie's cookies are legendary. (laughs) At least with at least with Deborah. Right. <laughs> and so uh, that is the nice list, not the naughty oh, list. The nice list gets cookies. That's awesome. Which they can then promptly eat and then, you know, exercise off in January. Um, we had a question in the chat about what a, what is a tittle. And oh. a tittle is a, a smallish, usually, assignment that we give each week. Generally, it's related to the topic for the week in which we assign it and uh, we ask people to take a look at their clutter from a particular perspective and uh, come back and tell us about it the next week. So that's what a tittle is. And you can find them on our website, 
um, each week we post a show notes post that has the YouTube video, a link to the podcast, and the text of the the, the tittle. So you can find all that stuff on our website. It's um, our version of assigning homework, actually. You know, it's yeah. like, here's a little piece of homework. If you feel up to it, it's a way for you to explore your relationship with your stuff. And so we're always trying to help you learn and grow around it. And the tittle is our way of, here's something you can try and see if you, if, see if you can go with it. And um, a tittle is the dot on an I or a, a lowercase I or a lowercase J. That's uh, that's one meaning of tittle. A tittle can also just mean a small part of something. Jane in California says, I booked a Thanksgiving meal with a friend who just had hip replacement surgery. I'll bring food in for both of us and we can count our blessings together. Oh, that sounds lovely. And it's, you know, you're going to go visit your friend and and make her uh, holiday better while she's recuperating and nobody, you know, well, I don't know if bringing food in means you're going to cook it all, if you're just going to go get it all, but either way, lovely gesture. And what a great way to spend time with your friend. I like it. Linda says, I intend to have no more stuff in my house on January 1st than I had on November 1st, keeping it at a steady state throughout the holidays. I'll need to keep doing one in, one out faithfully. What a nice gift to myself on January 1st, not to have to dig out from under a pile of holiday clutter. What an ambitious um, assignment you set for yourself. But I like the, you know, like you have a time frame around it and the goal is, you know, stuff's coming in. And so in order to make space for it, you're going to make things go out. So you're going to trade out the space. I like that. And it's a great visual how clever of you to keep it in mind up front on the front end instead of on the back end right like lots of people get all the stuff and then they go okay now i gotta make space for this and put it you know they try to figure out where to put it after the holidays are done but you're doing it on the front end and you're thinking your way through that before you get before the influx comes and so what a great idea i mean you can start out with i'm going to clear out i know i'm going to get clothes i'm no one you know you some general things that you expect and make spaces for uh, and where where you anticipate to receive gifts. Great idea. Great, great focus for the holidays. Like <clears throat> maintaining the same level of stuff, no matter what you get. <laughs> I love it. Well, and if you have, uh, if you got any gifty food or beverages last year, you can poke around in your pantry and or bar or where you store that kind of stuff. And, um, set yourself the the goal of using up as many of those things during your holiday entertaining or your your holiday time off as you can time to to burn them free up the space for the new ones that you know are coming (laughs) right that's really wonderful good job you're very being very ambitious and i'm proud and proud of you and i'm and i wanted to it's great that you shared it with the group so they can have a little bit of that mindset along with you during this season that's great ellen says Instead of Thanksgiving, my daughter and I will be hosting an open house slash game day the following Saturday. Spent this morning looking for make-ahead snacks that can be left out for self-serve. That sounds like fun. And by the time Saturday comes around after Thanksgiving, everybody's hungry again. They're hungry and they spent two (laughs) days with their family and, and maybe they need, you know, a break and they need to come hang out with you and have fun. So what a great idea. And you're just making it real casual so that people can come when it works for them. And I like that. What a great way to get people to come to you 
and to have fun and and not have it be stressful. All right. I think we should probably move on to our main topic. Mm. People stash excess stuff in storage units, parents' homes, second houses, backyard sheds, garages, attics, basements, and so on. Anywhere that's easy to ignore. That's the key. Mm. But hideaways aren't a practical solution to clutter issues because it they waste time, money, and effort to warehouse your deferred decisions. Today, we're going to discuss the problems with out-of-sight, out-of-mind caches and unpacked ways to get the deep storage monkey off your back. <laughs> All of your metaphors are so hilarious. <laughs> we have so many ways of organizing and storing extra stuff these days. A whole industry sprang up out of the need to store things outside of our homes because we own too much stuff. But it's my opinion that this actually creates an escape from decision-making when you should really be making those decisions instead of deferring them. Getting a big box just to hide your belongings leaves you with a bigger problem instead. Stuff is cumulative over your lifetime and the collection only grows. When we keep trying more and more ways to corral it, we're kind of missing the boat. Having the best organized, prettiest collection of things is way more of a burden than you imagine when you start collecting and organizing it. The larger the collection gets, the bigger the burden to organize it, clean it, corral it, access it all. At some point, the collection gets bigger than you can comfortably manage, and the problem gets very obvious in that moment. Given this is where I'm coming from, I want to talk about all of these deep storage options and what they get used for besides storing the obvious deferred decisions. The first one on my list is your parents' home. This is the first place that you dump stuff. You leave behind your childhood shrapnel when you move out for college or your first job or apartment. Why? This is the first major point of deferred decision-making that you have in your life usually. Likely you're overwhelmed in that moment and focused on getting out of the house, not on reviewing your life up to that point. And depending on how they feel about it, your parents may have done some sorting or boxing for you, or they may have just left it there for you to deal with later. But have no doubt, leaving, thing behind, leaving things behind in your parents' house is your first experience of filling up a storage space. <laughs> your room becomes a storage unit after you move out. The second deep storage space on my list is garages. This is a place where every adult parks things so that they don't have to make a decision. Also, so it can die from exposure to the elements, bugs, and neglect. Most of what goes there in this, in what, what ends up in the garage ends up being wasted, but it's it's not in the house, so it can be neglected or ignored because it's not in the house. Garages are the last place people put attention to clean or to straighten up. Like you can clean your entire house and never for a minute think about dealing with a garage. So whatever gets put out there is managed the least and destroyed the most. It's just the nature of uh, what ends up in the garage and your attention to it. The third thing on my list is backyard sheds. For when you run out of space in the garage, <laughs> like you want to put the car in the garage again. You tell yourself that you want to put the garden tools and the lawnmower out there, but you actually end up putting anything that you don't want to deal with or look at or fit into the garage, and off it goes to the shed. This is one last attempt to store things on your own property for free before you start paying monthly storage unit rent. And then, of course, the four things on my, the four things on my list is storage units. 
when you truly are out of space everywhere in the house. This is often triggered by a move of some kind, whether it's your own move or the clearing of somebody else's house after they've downsized or passed away. It might be temporary. For instance, um, when you're renovating your own home and you need to remove content so that some work can be done, or when you sell a house faster than you can buy the new one and you have to go into the storage until the new place is ready. These temporary uses make good sense, but the issue to me is when the storage unit becomes permanent housing, because now you're paying money for the right to ignore your things and not make any decisions. It's a very expensive way to keep things you don't want to think about. (laughs) Years will go by while you ignore the stuff, and you'll likely give up most of it in the end when you finally do face it. Inversely, you can save yourself tons of money just by facing the contents now and stop paying the rental fees. The last deep storage that I put on the list was having a second home for when you have enough purchase power that you can buy a storage unit instead of rent one. There are a million reasons that you might have a second home, really, but it requires furnishing for use, just like your original home. For my clients, this is a reason to shop, to furnish their second home. For me, it's just a reason to double your belongings. Now you're going to end up with two of everything and twice as much to dispose of later. Of course, you can give away the house and the belongings at some point, the whole thing. Right. right? Sometimes that that happens (laughs) for sure. Like once you, if you're going to buy my second home, you got to take all the contents. (laughs) Yeah. Why not? I realize up to this point, I've been bashing the concept of deep storage. Sorry, guys, but I make a living helping people dig out after they fit, they've been filling all the deep storage spaces to capacity and can no longer get around in their homes. Deep storage does serve a purpose, though. And so what might be some good reasons to store things? The first on my list is temporary, what I think of as temporary Tetris. <laughs> For those projects where the timing requires parking your things in dry dock somewhere until a space is available. I mentioned this earlier around moving when the new space isn't ready before the old space has to be empty. But also, I think items associated with grief fall into this category. When you own stuff that you associate with a loss and it's too soon to process the items reasonably, that's a good reason to pay rent for the right to delay the process. You'll achieve better results when the grief is less fresh in your mind. And even so, be careful not to leave it forever. Best to revisit it after a year, and certainly after two years. At that point, even if it hurts, you should be able to handle the processing and get back out of it again. Another um, good use for long-term storage, uh, in particular storage unit I'm thinking of, is uh, to store some business equipment. If you run a business and have lots of equipment or have many records to store, A storage unit might be part of your business expenses. It keeps all that equipment out of your house. And it also keeps it accessible to your employees without them having to come to your home all the time. Uh, There's a reason. uh, It it means it's a reasonable thing to keep your business uh, equipment and activity and interaction with that equipment separate from people taking up space in your home and people come to your home to deal with it. And, you know, separation of church and state, right? Well, and for a business, that's a tax deductible expense. Exactly. For a homeowner, it's not. It is not exactly unless you're unless you're using it in a home in a home based business, but then you have to document the heck out of it, and it has to be dedicated to your business and all of that. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> At least in in the United States. <clears throat> True, that's our tax law, exactly. Yeah, 
Another reason to use long-term storage is storage for an event, uh, event equipment and supplies. So if you run an event that has supporting equipment and supplies, like a recurring festival that happens every year or party, really any kind of annual recurring event that happens over and over, uh, storing this stuff in your home takes up a lot of space. And so a storage unit as an expense of the event makes sense. Uh, I'm thinking in particular of my friend who goes to Kerrville Folk Festival every year. And she basically sets up a tent community when she, because she stays there for like five weeks or six weeks or something during the festival. And she has her own tent and then she has several tents for people to come and go and stay with her while she's out there. And they have a whole kitchen set up and like they're very serious about the cooking that goes on out there. And so there's a whole lot of equipment so that they can cook for large groups outdoors, which is a whole nother level of kitchen that I can't even begin to understand. <laughs> but but so they keep all that stuff, massive amounts of equipment. It's like camping on steroids, right? And so they keep all that stuff in a storage unit in the vicinity of the where the festival is in Kerrville. And that way, nobody has to take it and store it at their house. And it's all in one place because there's so much of it, they couldn't possibly put it in one person's house. It'd have to be distributed across several people's houses. So this way, they put it all in one bucket and they can go out there and clean it in advance. They can sort the contents. They can, you know, they pull it out and they don't have to transport it very far to get it to the venue, to get it set up. And so it's become an expense of their favorite vacation. And it makes perfect sense to me why they do it because it is so much equipment. Nobody would want all that stuff at their house, but she's setting up a remote location, home and kitchen for five weeks a year. (laughs) So she has an event that's worthy of, you know, storing the volume that we're talking about here. I'm going to also add onto the storage list, uh, Storage for returning or revolving door children. So uh, these days it's a lot harder for kids to move out and they, they try to move out and then they realize how expensive it is to live on their own and they often move back home again. So they furnish an apartment then only to give it up after a year or two years or something. And then they drag all those furnishings home with them. So better to put that stuff in storage that the kid pays for And that is their incentive to move out quicker. (laughs) Instead of paying rent, they can pay for the storage unit and it's not free and it's still painful. And hopefully this will encourage them to, um, you know, improve their lot and move on, find another solution besides living with you permanently forever and ever. I'm just trying to support parents here. (laughs) But I often find, I have clients who the kid goes from one place to another or they go out and come home or they go out and to support a job that is temporary and they come back afterwards. And so then suddenly some spare room gets jammed full of a whole bunch of furniture and contents. Here's all my kitchen stuff. Here's my bedroom suite. Here's like all this stuff gets shoved into a room in the house. And usually for the parents, it's inconvenient. It's not and then they live with it for two years or three years or five years before the kid comes and take it all back out again. And that's a whole level of um, disrespecting your parents. <laughs> I think kids don't really realize, yeah, yeah, my parents are going to solve my problem by I'm just bringing this stuff home. Oh, it won't fit in my bedroom. Oh, you're right. 
because an apartment's bigger than my bedroom at home. Duh. And then, okay, we got to shove it in the garage, but now you can't park your car in the garage or now we can't get it on the attic or like, it just makes a whole mess. Right. And so um, that's one of those storage things that get it in a storage unit and make the kid pay for it. And, you know, hopefully encourage them to find a way to live alone again. Um, The last one on my list is storage for seasonal items that come out once a year. So this is a version of event storage, really. But if you have that collection out of sight for 48 weeks out of the year, then storing it long term makes sense. You're going to bring it out every year. So it is getting used. It's just got a season for when it's used. And so it's only out for three weeks or four weeks or two weeks or whatever. And then it goes back in. And so if you are big on that holiday decor, if you're big on that seasonal display stuff, and some people, they go all out for the Christmas decorations in the yard, or they go all out for the Halloween decorations, and it's a whole thing. And so if you're one of those people that has next level collection of decorating that comes out every year, having all that shoved into what available storage you have in your house makes it more of a burden. And so having that stuff be in storage because you are committed to that level of decorating because you like that decorating because this stuff actually comes out, um, then it'd be worth it to be in storage. And I, I say that very specifically because if you have that seasonal stuff and you put it in storage and it never comes out, then you've missed the point. (laughs) This is, I'm talking about, I like decorating for Halloween. I like decorating for Christmas. I do a huge amount of stuff outside. You have all those blow up things now that are like six feet, eight feet tall, five feet wide. They they have motors on them and they blow air. And there's like, you know, there's all kinds of lights and, you know, the big things that are on stakes that you stick in the yard, like depending on what you're decorating and, and to what extent you're decorating, uh, it makes sense for that, those large unwieldy weird objects to be in a storage unit instead of being in your garage or your house. Jaime showed me one the other day that is Santa's helicopter and it has two rotors that turn. Oh my God. Really? Yeah. But $190 was more than our inflatable budget. (laughs) It's an inflatable with a inflatable Santa's helicopter helicopter with turning rotors and the rotors turn. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. Like there's, there is some action out there and it's all oversized because it's for the yard or it's supposed to go on the roof of the house or what, you know, some people go seriously out there. Okay. It's still out of focus. You have to, I have to unblur to show you. I'm not going to show you. We got, we got uh, our new additions this year are a unicorn, a new Christmas tree because we gave away last year's Christmas tree inflatable and a um, triceratops because- I mean, who doesn't think Triceratops at Christmas? You know, I mean, it's just obvious, right? Right, sure. Dinosaurs Christmas. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> well, there you go. See, Ed is the guy that's trying to store the yard art, the yard blow up, blowable, inflatable things. So but we, only, we only get fairly small ones. We don't have. Right. You don't have monster ones, but you know, people that have big yards, like they can really, and I, you know, you've seen some neighborhoods require that you participate and go all out (laughs) at the holidays. And so there's a lot of stuff to be, um, you know, stored when there's, when there's so much 
expected of the neighborhood. So we have a neighbor who has about 20 inflatables. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And they crazy. probably do the same thing. Like every year they bought a couple more. Right. And so now they have this massive amount and they are cute and fun to look at. And, uh, and I can't imagine what a hassle it is to store them all. So, or I can't imagine actually. <laughs> so don't want, you don't want 20 inflatables stuck in your garage somewhere. Right. Like at, at some point it becomes completely unreasonable to expect those big things to have a storage space in the garage as well as your car. Right. And I think it's more important to have it, the car in the garage than, than the, the inflatable triceratops. <laughs> Just saying. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Storage, long-term storage, deep storage. There's reasons for it. This is my summary. There's reasons for it. There's reasons that it makes sense, but it is in my head, permanent storage forever and ever. Amen. Makes sense as a business expense or an event expense. But personally, I have a story to tell. It's an old one, but I had a client probably a decade ago who hired me to empty the storage unit and it was full of um, and antique furniture that she had inherited from her parents' home, her parents and her grandparents. I think it was sort of a collection of both. That was a decade and a half ago. Was it? God, isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been a minute. And so all of that furniture was, had been sitting there for 15 years in storage. So she'd been paying storage fees for this unit for many many months and the collective price tag on that was staggering it was in the tens of thousands and she wanted me to come in and help her go through the stuff donate what we could donate and sell the furniture because she was sure that she was going to you know make a lot of money on this furniture because it was all antique and special and i use antique and special i'm making air quotes (laughs) at this point and so I, we went about that process and she and I worked together on the other stuff and we got it all out and we got it down to the furniture. And then I went about the process of taking pictures, posting things up online and, and making appointments with people to meet and have them look at it and buy it and take it away if they wanted. And so she had to pay for my time to do all that, to do all the meet and greets, to you know show up at the storage unit and open it and let them take the one that they are um, using and uh, that they had paid for. And by the time we got done, her net profit was zero because everything that a, they didn't sell for a gazillion dollars, like she thought and B the money that she did make, she turned around and paid me to manage the process. And so the whole thing was a net loss for her. And except, really, except that she stopped paying the fees. She stopped paying the fees, which finally, were, right. which were hundreds, hundreds of dollars a month. <clears throat> yes. As I recall. It was a big unit, exactly, because yeah. there was so much furniture. It was a larger size unit and um, like 10 by 15. And it was expensive. And that was at storage prices 15 years ago. Um, nowadays, in Houston in particular, those rates are way higher. After Harvey, there was a lot of, oh, my God, where are we putting our stuff while they gut my house and rebuild it and lift it six feet off the floor? And it, the storage rates just went through the roof. So it's, it's a serious expense long-term to have storage. And she had it in her mind that I can't, this is all precious and it's related to my parents and I can't face it. 
And she let it go for a decade or more than a decade. And in the end, it was a very expensive stall. I'll just say that it was very expensive stall. And then she had to pay to stop paying the storage fee. She had to pay me to help her get out so that she could stop paying storage fees. And we made it happen and then, and, you know, and it got emptied, but it was a long-term investment for her to ignore her parents' furniture and not do something with it before that. And, you know, the storage units, the storage companies are smart and they do all kinds of things to make you forget and like the the recurring monthly charge that hits your credit card doesn't say storage. Like they learned early on that if you get reminded that it's a storage unit, then they, you know, you get triggered to come and do something about it. So they name it something innocuous so that you aren't quite, you know, it's like, it's not super obvious. Oh, don't, don't remember. We're charging you to keep your stuff in a box. <laughs> la, 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 la. You don't, you, this is not the droid you're looking for. Like, they disguise it so that you forget about it and you just let it happen and they auto debit it so that you just let it happen. You don't have to actively trigger the payment and they do all those things that you will just be the cash cow that keeps the industry afloat, which is you automatically pay us every month and you don't think about it. And we just take money away from you and wait for you to realize how much money you've sunk to us before you come and get it out. And so Uh, Like I said, there's a reason to pay it, but the storage industry relies on you being unconscious and paying them unconsciously in order to make their money. And they are making billions of dollars. It's working all over the place because we are paying like crazy to defer decisions. So I'm wanting you to stop it. (laughs) Let's just stop it. Let's recognize what a money drain it is for you. And decide whether the reasons that you are using a storage unit are real and reasonable for your lifestyle and your budget or not. And it may be that the answer is, yes, I need a storage unit. It makes sense. But I'm going to say, you know, eight out of 10 times, <clears throat> it's just you delaying the decisions. Well, or, or, or at the start, you had a good reason mm-hmm. and then the good reason expired but the bill, the bills keep coming, you keep coming, keep coming. Well, and you know, the good reason expired and out of sight, out of mind and auto debit payment and another, you know, 10 years can go by while you don't think about it. And so I'm here to make you think about it. <laughs> That's my job. But I'm here for you to get conscious about it and make a conscious choice to spend the money or not and, and, and decide is it really that important for me to save all these objects when I'm paying rent? I could rebuy half of the contents of the storage unit with the rent that I'm paying. I could give everything away every month. I could give half of the stuff away every month and rebuy it fresh with the storage fee that I'm paying for. Well, and even if you're not paying for storage, there if you're keeping stuff stored, in air quotes, in your basement attic garage closet shed, shed whatever room. there's a, there's a cost to it there's 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 the cost of what else you can't keep because you've got that stuff in there um there's the cost of how much harder it is to get to anything and keep it all clean keep it all dry keep it all safe from fire and moths and rodents and 
so on. Mm. And there's also that emotional component too of when the house is overstuffed and how that makes you feel. Lots of people find that visual um, crowdedness overwhelming, overstimulating, um, nerve-wracking, constantly bothersome. And so if you're living with a whole bunch of excess in those deep storage areas, I've been putting things in the attic, I've been putting things in the uh, basement, I've been putting things in the garage, at some point, those finite boxes get full too, and it starts to feel super overwhelming to you. And that overwhelm point, it's like, okay, now my house is at capacity because I, my living spaces are full, my deep storage spaces are full, and I can turn nowhere in my house and rest my eyes on someplace peaceful. And so there, there is an emotional cost to, I'm going to keep this someplace free, which is on my property that I own or rent and not have to pay offsite storage fees to have it, but I'm going to have to pay in emotional stress overhead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to keep it all here with me. And at what point is that too much of a price to pay as well? When you've crossed over, which is why we say at the top of the show every week, comfortably manage the stuff we decide to keep. If you can no longer comfortably manage it, then by definition, you are now uncomfortable every day in your own home. (laughs) And that's that's a high price to pay. I mean, we all need to be able to go home and be restful and rejuvenated and recovering and finding, you know, living our best lives. And if you can't do that because your house is stressing you out, then you have now reached the point where keeping it all for free is having a negative impact instead of a positive impact. And that's why we're talking about these sort like this is the, when you fill up all of these not rarely used spaces, the next thing that happens is that your living spaces start to get full too. And then you're overwhelmed and you're drowning. And then I start getting phone calls. (laughs) Basically somewhere along that path, I get phone calls, come help dig me out. Right. And so if you can't do it by yourself, you absolutely need to call an organizer to come and help you and make it a priority in the coming year. Like, you know, we're rolling up on, we're going to roll through the holiday season. Everybody's going to have all their fun and food and festive whatevers. And then we're going to hit January. And that's the time when everybody's mind goes, okay, now I got to, I got to pay for my sins. Right. I got (laughs) to, I got to start doing some work because I've been fluffing off for the last six weeks or eight weeks. Right. So everybody starts getting focused. And so we know that get organized month is coming down the pike. January is in the the line of sight right now. So This is the time where if you want to reclaim your space, you can start thinking about it and what things, what places in your house are long neglected, uh, over full, full of things you don't even know what they are. And that space could be used for a million other things besides your in-home storage unit. And hopefully you can get some help and get in there and dig it out. Okay. Let me share some comments. Okay. Donna says, my ex pays for four, yes, four storage units for stuff he hasn't even looked at in years. It boggles my mind. 
that is like, oh, I see that a lot. Like the solution to I have now filled up the storage unit isn't let's go through the storage unit. The solution seems to be let's rent another storage unit. Oh, my God. No. If you have to go from storage one to storage two, we have to have a major come to Jesus conversation. (laughs) Like, No, there is hardly any reason in the world for you to have more than one storage unit. Like I can barely justify one, but yeah, if you have to have a big storage unit because you're, you know, you're emptying your house while they gut the inside and rebuild, like I, I totally get it. But even so you can put a whole house in one storage unit. It might have to be 10 by 15, but you can unpack your whole contents into a storage unit, the whole house. And so the idea that you have to fill up one and go rent another one, Oh my gosh, that's a car payment. That's a house payment that you are paying to keep insignificant, unimportant, not worth your time stuff in a box away from your house. Like, oh my gosh, no. Storage, uh, let me just say, storage units live for people like you. <laughs> well, the, the X, it's not Donna. It was, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Donna, yeah. It was her ex, yeah. Yes, it, um, they live for people like him because he is keeping them afloat by deciding I'm going to ignore it and I'm going to pay for the right to ignore it into infinity. That's, that is their, um, you know, uh, profit margin. That's their profit model. That's their business model. So. Mm. Maureen says, had some of my late parents furniture in a storage unit for two years, luckily was able to find family members for some pieces and the rest fit in my garage. I think I heard Gail once say the two years worth of storage fees was the price of my grief until I was ready to deal with it. That two-year mark really hit me between the expense and delayed inevitable decisions. Yeah, I think, you know, the two years expense is really just recognizing that grief is a long-term process and you don't get over it in a couple of weeks. And so uh, it's harder to make good decisions when you're in uh, the middle of very serious grieving. And truthfully, two years may not be the end of your grief journey, but it seems to be far enough away that you can, wherever you are about the grief, you can come and look at the stuff and make some decisions at that point without completely falling apart. And, And it may still make you cry. It may still be hard, but that that just seems to be an emotional window of time that most people can have the grief in their mind and in their hearts and still deal with the stuff. So I'm glad that you did it. Good for you that you got to the end of the two years and emptied it out. And, and it was the price you had to pay to wait until you were in a good enough place to do it. And so I think it doesn't happen that often for people. They don't have to have this process and this long-term grief window, meaning you don't lose your spouse. You don't lose your parents over and over and over and over again. You, There's only a couple of parents to deal with. There's only, you know, a spouse to deal with. And so there's, there's some, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a level of grief. That level of grief isn't a, an endless revolving line of people behind you. So at least we hope not. We hope not. Exactly. Jane says a 2023 goal was working on the garage and it's taking longer than hoped. Progress is the goal though. And I need to focus on how much has been accomplished and not be frustrated by how much left there is to go through. 
Yes. And, and don't forget that whole, the illusion that happens when you take a space that's full of stuff and you clear it out and what's left is blank space. <laughs> and so you forget that that blank space was completely full. It's It creates an illusion that um, helps you forget exactly. how bad yeah. it is, right? But this is a good reason to take photos before you get started so that when you are giving yourself a hard time about how long it's taking, you can go and look at your starting point and go, oh, well, that looks a whole bunch different than it used to. And that was a lot of stuff in time. And it's, it garages are dense and they're not temperature controlled and they usually have large and awkward things in them. And there's all kinds of reasons why garages end up being difficult to manage. So don't give yourself a hard time about it. The fact that you're even working on it at all is a win. A, I'm working on it and I've done some things in it. Yay. And B, it's probably that your expectation about how long it should have taken was just a little unrealistic from lack of experience, right? Like I probably could have looked at your garage and said, oh yeah, this is going to take 18 months. (laughs) At the rate that you're working and how much you have to deal with and how many decisions you have to make here, I think it's going to take 18 months. And, you know, if that turns out to be true and you didn't predict it correctly up front, don't give yourself a hard time. Just give yourself kudos for you've been working on it and you keep working on it and you're going to get to the end of the year and have us, if you have half the garage done or three quarters of the garage done by the end of 2023, woohoo, you did a good job and you can make it next year's resolution to finish and then you'll be done. Connie says, I'm curious if you or your families had these hidden storage places since she was asking us specifically Mm. my mother had a lot of she inherited a lot of stuff from her parents and it came to her in dallas and she used some of it in the house but she stored a lot of it in her garage and then when she moved to north carolina it all came with and so the garage she couldn't park her car in the garage for a long time uh, after she moved there And then she hired a decorator who came and decorated the house. And he talked her out of some of the stuff out of the furniture and pieces in order to decorate the home. So she made some final, you know, I like this. I want to incorporate this in my house. I, this is not really my style. It needs to go. She made some of those decisions, but there was still everything that he didn't want in the decor ended up in the garage. (laughs) So after that was done, um, my part of the job was to go in and, and help her start going through what was being stored in the garage. And ultimately, because North Carolina gets cold and uh, icy and snowy sometimes, um, I was worrying about her being on the driveway, getting out of the car in the snow and the ice and falling on the concrete. I was worried about her falling. So um, I really pushed hard to clear out enough space so that she could at least get the car in the garage, which we did. And, um, and then, and then she was pulling in, in the wintertime and getting into a dry surface, which was a great relief to me, frankly, I was very relieved about that. So, um, mother had her, um, you know, her garage full of stuff. And then my dad doesn't have, he never had a storage unit. I'm trying to think if my grandparents ever had, not that I knew of, but I wasn't in the business back then. So I don't know that I would have paid attention. (laughs) What about you? Uh, to my knowledge, um, my parents never had a never used a storage unit until they had to clear out their last house to move into assisted living or uh, independent living, and um, they had downsized quite a bit. So they just had a fairly small storage unit of 
stuff, family, you know, family heirloom furniture and such that they just didn't have room for in their new place. And they've, they've worked on sort of chipping away at that. But since they lived in Chattanooga and my youngest sister who manages the, the antique booth business also right, lives right, here, right. they just take up a little space in a storage unit that she, they share. Oh, that she has my, for her business. Yeah, and gotcha. and with and with the the sister who RVs and has some some stuff stored against the possibility that you know she'll be end up back in a house one of these days. All right. She's, well, so that's sort of a yeah. family storage unit, like everybody's sharing. Yeah. The space and for your younger sister, it's a it's an expense of her business. So it that at least makes a little bit of sense. Like she needs the storage room for what she's collecting for her business. Right. And, stuff goes in and out of her display. And so that makes sense. Yeah. And then everybody's just sort of getting their piggybacking <laughs> on her. I'm trying to think if there's been other storage in my, so we live in Texas, so we don't have basements here. Um, we do have attics and garages, but they are super, super hot. So <laughs> anything that you put in the garage sort of dies from heat. Stroke. Yeah. <laughs> right? like, it dies from heat stroke and roaches. So there's a accelerated death of outdoor storage in Texas, I guess is the best way to use, say it. <laughs> Niz mentioned, don't forget the car. That's, a, that's another place people can stash stuff and ignore it. Cause you know, yes. it's all, it's all back there in the trunk or behind the, in under the, back the hatch, seat, you know, right. Back, yeah. Behind the back seat. It's so true. So that is, so I, because I drive a large SUV for my work and, and I fill up my car regularly with other people's stuff, <laughs> but I, I totally suffer from, I'm sitting in the front of the car facing forward and I can't see all the shrapnel behind me, but I can drive around for weeks with a car full of stuff because <laughs> I'm like collecting things to go to the pet place. And I'm taking, these are going to the donation place and these are going to art asylum. And I had to sort of sort them around. And so sometimes the car gets loaded and then I drive the load around for a few weeks or a few days before I end up getting it all back out again i totally am that person i have to regularly empty it because i'm always going to another client that needs to give me more stuff to take away so i can't leave it in there forever because i need the space to take the next load so i am constantly in some stage of filling up or emptying my car with the shrapnel that's going somewhere it's constant <laughs> Catherine mentions have heard that expensive pieces have been left and forgotten in storage units for example, death in a family, cars, boats, mm. et cetera. Yeah. If somebody's not paying close attention when they close out the estate, they don't see those storage unit charges or they just assume like, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to let the storage unit deal with it. It depends on how diligent the person is that's managing your estate, whether they go and find out what's in there or not. And, and there are people that make a living buying storage units at auction, buying the contents right. of storage units at auction, and then taking that stuff and, finding out if there's, you know, reselling it and finding out if there's something, um, you know, expensive and fabulous it's stuck in the storage unit. Have you seen that Cabinet of Curiosities show? I think it's on Netflix. Uh-uh. I'm not sure it's Netflix. There was an episode that was about a storage unit. And spoiler alert, okay, if you don't want, if you haven't watched it, you don't want to cover your ears. If you buy someone else's storage unit at auction, you might end up with a demon. Oh, 
<laughs> you never know what's in those storage units, that's for sure. Diana says, the last of my kids' belongings will be leaving in the form of gifts under the tree this year. I made a Ooh. final pass through Christmas decorations and gathered all ornaments given to them over the years, wrapped them in a box with a beautiful bow, finished going through last stash of photo photos, paperwork, and keepsakes, also wrapped and ready to leave my possession. Look at you. That Diana, is awesome. Diana is closing down the mom's house storage facility. Right. That is excellent. Let's clap for Diana. Yay. <laughs> I know that that was a huge project and I'm super proud of you for getting there. That is great. Won't you feel so like, oh my gosh, I'm so lighter. It'll feel so much lighter when you're done. And then you're going to have like spaces that you can use for your own purposes now <laughs> instead of for the kids or the or the history of the kids right good job that's the ultimate mom's goal is to finally get the kids all the way out of the house <laughs> so they can come home with their grandkids and be guests instead of residents samsung this is someone who's phone named them in zoom says i've used storage units a few times during transitions when i moved to new yes. cities they were very useful because i'd never you uh, but i'd never use one just to keep extra stuff around maybe to hide a body though <laughs> right they, they do get used for that uh, we will you know don't tell us if that's what you're using it for we don't need to know <laughs> but you're exactly right like all the things that i'm describing that make sense for storage long term is transition stuff like you have to tetris your contents around while you go from situation a to situation b and and, and there's some timing involved in that that doesn't always work out exactly how you need it to and so and and it makes sense that if you go to a new city you may or may not be able to access, buy, rent a new space in advance of being there. And maybe you need a little time to get into it there. And so um, what a great job. Good for you that you've you know managed to do it temporarily all this time. And the rest of the time, not keeping everything. Yeah. I don't, mm -mm. Oh, the other wow. one that kills me is, is outdoor shed. That's like, that's a whole nother conversation. Yes, oh, sir. Yeah. Uh, Marnie says, just saw a story about a human skull being found in a thrift store. The owner of the store had gotten the contents from a storage unit. Not suspicious in nature. <laughs> Apparently it was, you know, maybe a laboratory specimen or something. Not, oh, how you know, funny. You know. <laughs> right. Leftover from, from a doctor or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be the one going through the storage unit to find something um, suspect. I mm -mm, don't, don't, don't want to do that. Yeah. I have to say all of the all of my storage digouts have never had <laughs> I've never had the occasion to find something suspicious. You haven't it's found body parts. Been, no, it's just been stuff that was dead and dirty and you know covered in whatever dust. Yeah. A million layers. It's so especially if it's an outdoor unit, it's the dust is incredible. There's just something about, you know, the doors are closed. They're not hermetically sealed by any stretch right. of the imagination, just, but they do have doors on them and they're closed, but they still manage to get, you know, four inches of dust on top of everything in the outdoor unit and in the indoor unit, less dust, but still it's like, yeah. oh man. Uh, Maureen says, if anyone watches Antiques Roadshow, they now will show what the items were worth when originally appraised, maybe 10 or more years ago. And now seems antiques for the most part have really lost their one-time value and 90 percent of the time the item is now worth considerably less 
right? And I find that fascinating because there are things that, you know, 10 years, 15 years later, the value has held or gone up, but it's really roll of the dice, whether they, you know, they show what the, they, they're replaying the show. And so they're showing what the evaluation was in 2008. And then they give you a 2023 price and show whether it went up or down. And a lot of times about that kind of antique furniture stuff, it's going down right now. There's other things, paintings, a particular artist, a particular pottery, but it's a great way to see how the price for it today has nothing to do with what the price will be 10 years or 20 years from now. And those markets fluctuate up and down depending on public interest. And so there are things that are super hot for two years that get priced incredible prices. And then the interest wanes, the market falls apart. And you're left with an object that you spent $2,000 for that is now worth, you know, $200 because there's the market collapse. And so. <clears throat> well, or that, yeah, or that, that price was never, that price was never realistic. It was never, it was based on the fad. It was based on the popularity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It wasn't based on any intrinsic value. Yeah. Yeah. And that price is not permanent, man. Like if you want to make that money off of it, you have to sell it in the moment that it's priced for that. Because right. otherwise, it's not going to stick. It's just going to start, you know, it's just going to bleed away. So. Okay, we are running out of time. Oh, so it's tittle time, right? Just, well, almost. I want to remind everyone that we'll be back for our next live webcast next week, Tuesday, November 14th at noon U.S. Central Time. Over the last few months, we included a question in our surveys that asked our audience to name your favorite clutter fairyisms or <laughs> decluttering and organizing mnemonic devices and, and such. We collected a lot of great answers, and next week we're going to talk about all your favorites. I haven't come up with a title for that one yet, but you can bet Thin the Herd will be in it. <laughs> right? <laughs> that is a very popular gale That is a gale-ism. That is definitely a clutter for sure. <laughs> Okay, so this week's title is called Mining the Store. This week's assignment is to evaluate the status of an item or a collection that you're keeping in some kind of deep storage. So you want to identify an object or a set of items that you're keeping in storage, either off-site in a storage unit or a remote location or somewhere in the recesses of your own home and answer the following questions about this item or collection. Why is the item in storage? rather than in use or on display. What conditions would have to change in order for you to bring the item out of storage to use or display it? What is your projected time frame for taking the item out of storage? Is there any is there a decision that you're deferring or avoiding by keeping the item in storage? And lastly, what emotions do you associate with making a decision about this item? Now reflect on whether you still want to keep the item or the collection in question in storage indefinitely. And if so, set a date on your calendar to revisit this choice in three months, six months, or a year. And if not, make a plan for retrieving the item and either putting it to use or letting it go, getting it out of there. So we're basically saying reflect on what you know, why you're keeping it. And if you still want to keep it, and if you say, yes, I still want to keep it, then Mark your calendar to look again six months from now or a year from now and see if the answer is still the same. And if you don't want to keep it in anymore in storage, then let's make a plan for getting it and using it or donating it. 
and then come back and tell us what, what your results were. Come and talk about it next week on the show. If you're watching this on YouTube, we would love for you to join us live. To get notifications about upcoming events, we invite you to join the meetup group by visiting cfhou.com meetup. You can also follow us on Facebook by visiting cfhou.com Facebook or subscribe to our mailing list by going to cfhou.com subscribe. I love how the signs match that uh, storage know, facility right? you're in. Isn't that pretty? Very nice. <laughs> we love to hear from you. So please send us your questions, comments, and topic suggestions on YouTube, Facebook, or anywhere that you find us. You can always reach us through our website at clutterfairhouston.com. Thanks for joining us again this week. We really appreciate that you guys come and hang out with us. We love talking about organizing. We love you that you go along on the ride with us. So thank you. We will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye.